supremely and in our hearts right now, present tense. So happy for that. And last evening we had a marvelous healing service. Our Lord Jesus met with us and gave us the exceedingly abundant. Now tomorrow's another evening service. Tomorrow night at the Lord willing. Now tomorrow morning, I think the broadcast is what time? Nine o'clock over KTBS. And uh, I uh, speak a few minutes over there, and one thing by promise that to do it. And then uh, tomorrow at 10:30, for the more said I believe, at 10:30 is the drama of the smallest ship in the world. And I'll come out in the morning if you can listen, see what the smallest ship is. Especially this is dedicated to the children, children from eight to eighty. I said the other night. And we uh, are expecting the Lord to meet with us there. Then tomorrow night, or tomorrow evening, again here at 7.30, the prayer cards will be given out at 6.30, and there will be prayer for the sick tomorrow night, the Lord willing. And now, be expecting and coming all prepared, prayed up. And now tonight is a bad night, Saturday night. This is the devil's night, you know. The one when the devil gets on the highways and all the booze joints and all the liquor running crowd, all the lowdowns, hoedowns, boogie yeah, boogies yeah. and rock and rolls and all that's rolling and rocking tonight. Yeah. Hundreds will die. I see the other day we're in a certain place that they had a big jamboree, one of these jamborees they had here. They took it up to Canada. And I forget how many children... They had to send to the insane institution after going through that boogie-woogie uh, rock-and-roll affair they brought from America to Canada. They bought it out of many countries and many states in the Union. And yet we Americans plunged headlong into it. You're the day seeing where a young man that's one of the heads of this rock-and-roll and going through all these maneuvers, he said he learned it in a Pentecostal church. And to think that that would be perverted, no one of the boys got a perverted mind going crazy, well certainly God will punish him and he will do it. Certainly for such as that. That's sacrificial religion. And it's it's absolutely blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. And it's, it's terrible to see how the people can kind of belittle the worst of the living God. As you sow, so shall you reap. Remember that. I think in Canada, I forget just how many it was. At the first, one of these here outfits they had up there, how many children, how many young people had lost their mind over that one meeting? And the institution now. Without hope, without God, without any mercy, laying there in that condition, screaming and crying and walking the, up and down, butting their heads against the wall, or that kind of nonsense, and we make it legal. Drink, gamble. A lot of places that allow the kids to smoke in the church, uh, the school just before semester and so forth. Isn't that terrible? They're quieting their nerves. Or to have a prayer meeting, that's the best thing I know to quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, hungry people have got to fill that longing with something. If they won't drink from the fountain of the waters of life, the devil will give them a stagnated system with wheelbarrows in them. So they'll drink from somewhere. You'll spend that loyalty and worship, either on the devil or on God. Never was a person, never went to one of those places or done any of those things, except it was a hungry-hearted person that refused to drink from the fountain of the waters of life freely. 
I tell you, I feel sorry for them because of the letdown and pollution of our modern churches. That's one of the things that I lay it to, this social gospel that people preach. Why, in our own city of Jeffersonville, a certain pastor every Saturday night has a square dance in the bottom of the church. That's right. Teaches square dancing of a very famous denominational church. A square dance. That was the same pastor that asked me that time coming down the telephone pole how I got so many people out to the tabernacle. Said he signed, I made him sign a card, a thousand members, that they would attend Sunday school at least one time out of the year, or one or six months out of every year for it. But he said, you know how many answered? He said two. I said, no wonder. I don't blame them. I wouldn't either. That's exactly right. As long as you're having shindigs and things in the church, well, that's a sin. Right. Don't belong in the house right. of God. Right. When you get to a place that I have to have something like that to get a, people listen to me, I'll sure go off the field of the gospel, preaching the gospel. I don't blame sinners. When you see sinners going out there, just old rank, low-down sinners, well, I don't blame them. That's all they know. But these people who go to church and call themselves Christians and then do that. I don't blame a pig for rooting in a manure pile. Certainly not. That's his nature. Certainly. I wouldn't think it's strange to see a pig in a manure pile. Certainly not. That's, that's his nature. That's what he does. That's his living. He don't know any different. But I sure feel funny about seeing a lamb doing that. <laughs> Frankly, he wouldn't do it. And that's the way the sinner let him go ahead. That's all he knows. Drink all the booze he wants to and go all the low downs and the whole downs and listen to all that nonsense. That's all he knows. But you people who are supposed to know better, That's right. I'm persuaded if you ever turn to that, you never really drink from the fountain of the Lord. Amen. I tell you, that just, that just cuts all that other stuff. It's as dead as midnight. That's right. There's no Amen. joy to it. It's saying it's got a, you can't even stand it. I go into a restaurant sometimes. First thing I do, I look through and see if they got one of them little old uh, penny or nickel uh, jukeboxes on the wall. That things make me so nervous that I can't even, I, I, I have a sour stomach after it come out. Just to hear all that nonsense and see Christians playing it. Supposed to be Christians. Brother, if I the fruits, you know it. Well, that ain't my subject tonight. <laughs> but I tell you, it's too bad that we don't have a little more condemning of that stuff from the platform. That's right. Certainly it is. Oh, well, nice pastor in church, though it was a Baptist church, but not the kind you have to shake hands and put your name on a book. Brother, we get out the altar and beat one another back till we come through. We had something. Yes, sir. And one of those people was caught in one of those kind of places. They was put right on the carpet. If it was sold, they either repented or was excommunicated right there. We didn't more. Yet, you yoke yourself up with unbelievers. They either walked the straight and narrow line, or had a blackboard sitting there. And if anybody had a grievance, the steam under it, they put both their names on the blackboard. I took them both in the prayer room. Somebody coming in like Jones up at the top. Next was uh, Scott at the bottom. All right, Brother Jones, you're Brother Scott. Come in here with me. That's right. They had straightened out. Right then, it had to be made right. The church rolled on. <laughs> That's what we need tonight. It's a good old-fashioned, backwoods, sin-killing, sky-blue religion preached. Under the power of the Holy Ghost. That's right. That's right. Yes, sir. That's right. And a washing white of the saints. Not a white washing, but a washing white. There's a whole lot of difference in whitewash and washing white. Amen. Now remember, the services now, may the Lord bless us as we open His Word to read just a few 
uh, scriptures here and then speak to you on the word. And everybody be solemnly and in prayer, believing with all your heart. And I'm wondering tonight, some of them was telling me about a little baby. The last one was prayed for last night. The little fellow got started crying right then. Is that baby here tonight? Would have to be that the little fellow was here. I'd like him to climb up to the platform here just a moment if he is. Um, I guess he might have been from out. Of, I don't know. That keeps me, it's in a semi-conscious condition. And my son was telling me going out, said, Daddy, there's a marvelous thing. He said, a little boy come in the line down there. A little, I believe he said a cross-eyed and had a, a rupture or something other. And said, when you pick the child up, I see you put your hands over that place and it went away. He said, and when the child opened his eyes and when you had your hand laying on said, I noticed his eyes just as perfectly straight as they could be. And said, you tried to get him to look through the audience. And I just wondered if he was here tonight. Maybe he'd be back. And we are thanking the Lord for his healing. Now the Lord can heal all kinds of diseases if we can believe him to do it. Now I've seen him do so many things. I just want to believe that everything we ask for, we get that's right. We've got to believe it that way. And now we trust that the Lord will bless. Now, this blessed old book is the book of all books. And there's only one can it rightly interpret this book, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's right. He's a writer. Yeah. And it's the only one that can really interpret it. No matter how well we think we know it, we don't know it until the Holy Spirit has revealed it because... It's, it's all in mystery. It's all cut up in mystery. And God said he did it personally so he could hide it from the smart and wise. But he would reveal it to babes such as would learn. Now we want to be babes in the Lord tonight. Just see how simple you can be. And tomorrow night I think I have the Lord willing. I have a message on that. On the simplicity of it. So now let us bow our heads just one more moment to speak. How many has a need tonight? Would you raise your hands? I want to be remembered in this, Brother Brandon. I want you to remember me before the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thy beloved child, we come as humbly as we know how and ask you for forgiveness of our sins and trespasses. Whatever we have did or said to this day or any other time in our life that's against us tonight, we humbly bow and confess and I pray for this audience of people as they raise their hands. Many of them, Father, are maybe desperately in need of forgiveness. Some besetting sin, some havoc, some sickness, some disease or affliction, some loved one that's in trouble. Whatever it is, Father, I pray that you forgive and forget all their iniquity and heal all their diseases and pour out thy blessings upon us tonight through the reading of the word and the preaching of the word. For yeah. we ask it in Christ's name, thy beloved Son. Amen. In the second Kings, and the third, third chapter of the second Kings, and the sixteenth verse, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. Now may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. This was in the book of 2 Kings, the third chapter, and maybe when you would go home, how many reads the Bible? Let's see your hand. Oh, it's wonderful. Read it. Study it. 
and you, especially you born-again Christians, that's the, the bread and the meat for the Holy Spirit. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word right. that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Right. Amen. What if I was a doctor tonight and a young fellow come to me, I had a great frame on him, and yet he looked so weak and run down. I said, what's the matter, son? He said, I'm just a weak doctor. I can't hardly stand up. I'd ask him a few physical things. All right, they're all right. I said, well, what makes you weak? I don't know, doctor. I said, well, when did you eat last? Well, I ate a half a cracker day before yesterday. Well, I say, the only thing you need is a good square meal. You become anemia. You become run down, weak. And that's what's the matter with the church. You've got to have a good square gospel meal about every day. That's right. If you don't, you're going to be anemia. You're going to get run down. Taking a lot of God's vitamins out of His Word, and it certainly does bring up the Spirit and makes you feel refreshed and renewed. Now, there's just been a great event taking place. And there's been a house cleaning time in Israel. But the bad part of it was by the boat of the people and the run of the of the way they voted in, they had just about made it as bad as what they would today if one pastor would leave the church and the deacon board would vote in another. Sometimes it's taking out a good one, putting in a bad one. But when God sends one along, he's the right man. Always you should pray. And seek God's favor, you who are have such, to select your pastor. But now, it was in the days of Elijah. Elijah, the mighty prophet of the Lord. Oh, God, what would we do if we didn't have some man of God in the world that would stand in the breach and, and try to intercede for the people and with enough nerve to tell the people, or not enough nerve, but enough grace, to tell the people what's right and wrong. A whole lot of that is a matter of the troubles today is because man, in one sense, I'm not condemning my brethren. Certainly not. I'm, I'm only trying to present a truth. The only reason today that the conditions are if every pastor would have stood firm on the Word and not let out or compromise it wouldn't be like it is today. But a compromising, self-sufficient organizations and so forth has always tried to take the place of the Holy Spirit and God never did have any time a group of men to run His church. It's always been the Holy Spirit. That's His duty. That's what He's here for. That's what God sent him for. He will teach you. He will guide you into all truth. And will show you things to come. And reveal these things. Take these things of mine. And reveal them to you. Not the seminary as good as they are. Not the church as good as it is. But the Holy Spirit. That's the teacher. And we try to adopt man to take the Holy Spirit's place. We tried to adopt certain different offices in the church to take the offices of the apostle, prophet, and so forth in the church. That God set the gifts in the church and we took man and made him gifts instead of God's gifts. 
And that's what we're in today. Now, Elijah was a great man. And his time had come for him to leave the earth. And he walked before the Lord. And the Lord had told him, Go and anoint another man. I love that. Don't you love that? God has never been without a witness. That's right. Amen. God's always had a witness since the world began. Sometimes it's come down to one man. But God's always had someone he can lay his finger on and say, This is my servant in all ages. Now, and when he seen he was going to take Elijah, Elijah, the Tishbite, went and found Elisha plowing in the field and took off his robe and threw it on him and he knew he was called to be the prophet. Then to show how a prophet should, he burnt every bridge as we call it. He killed the ox, took the yokes and the plow and, and made a sacrifice to the Lord showing that all of his earthly doings were over. He was completely sold out to the Lord. That's the kind way every man and woman that comes to Christ ought to completely sell out yeah. the sin and everything behind him, yeah. cross the separating line, and look only to God from then on. Amen. What a difference it would be if men and women would do that. Then, to give him his test. Do you believe in the testings and trying trials of the Lord? Yes. Every son, without any exception, Every son that cometh to God must first be tested, tried, yeah. child trained. You remember how you got your training? I remember how I got mine. My daddy had a, he believed in the golden rule. And he had it. And it laid up over the door and had all the Ten Commandments on it. A big long hickory stick about this long with a brush on the end of it. I'm telling you, when that little Bradham's done wrong, they know what the golden rule was. Pop got us by the hand and take and said, Come here, son. And he would say, Now, tomorrow I'm really going to tend to you. Why don't you do it now, Papa? <laughs> get it over with. No, I'll just wait till tomorrow. After you get through eating his dinner, he'd say, Come here, Billy. Yes, sir, Dad. Sit down a minute. Get his knife out and go to winning. Now you knew better than that, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I wish you just went to get it over with. You say, but you knew better than that, didn't you? Yes, Dad, I did. Ain't you ashamed yourself to do like, yes, Papa, I am. I've got the whipping bar. You tell me all about it. I go all out the field, get my little old straw hat and put it on, go out the field, scared to death. That night, I think this is the night I'm going to get it. But brother, don't worry, he never forgot it. I got it. And that was a good schooling. If we had some more that would do like that today, we wouldn't have so much juvenile delinquency. You talk about teaching the child. I went into a house here not long ago to visit a person that was sick, and in come little Junior, little Oswald. And he walked in, he said, Mammy, ain't got my dinner ready yet? She said, Sonny, I've been so sick that this is Brother Branham. So, uh, why ain't you got some dinner ready for me? She said, I've been real sick. Said, that's no excuse. She said, there's an orange. He took it, looked at it, and said, that's all you're going to do. Blankety, blank, and threw it against the wall. And the juice went all over the place. He said, Junior, behave yourself. And he kicked over something and walked out. I looked down at the mother. I thought, lady, you just give me the privilege for a few minutes. I'll make him think different from that the next time he'd come in the house. Oh, how we let out. You're, trying to be, you're too good to kids nowadays. Right, you baby them. 
You can't go beyond the Bible. The Bible said if you spare the rod, you spoil your child. That's right. That's right. Pop used to take the old gun stick. I don't know where you know what it is or not. What you slowed the muzzle over with? If you ramrod, right, brother, I got an education with that thing. <laughs> he didn't make me walk around. Ah, he's in the grave tonight. When I looked up on him when he was laying there, the black locks laying around, little grave. I thought of every one of it, and I honored every weapon I ever got. I never got half enough. That's right. He's my daddy. I loved him because he tried to make me do right. He was determined that I would do right. And now, somebody talk about the literacy of the hillbillies up in Kentucky there. But how the old grandmas with their long bonnets and things on. You don't want they could teach some of you city people how to behave yourself. That's right. Your little Martha Ann come in of a night time and mess up all over her face and half drunk and smoking a cigarette and blowing it through her nose and stomp her foot and scream at you. Let her do that for one of old Kentucky mammies one time. She'd top a hickory boy or take something or a barrel slap. When she got through, she'd know who was nanny around there. If you do that, you wouldn't have so many wrong men and boys and girls in the world tonight. Let one of them stretch yourself in some of these old dirty clothes like you let your kids wear out there, little old shorts and whatever what you call them. And let them one time. Mm-hmm. You find out how illiterate they were. She'd beat her till she'd be so well she couldn't get the clothes on the top of them. That's what needs to be done tonight. That's right. And some of these sissified preachers stand in the pulpit and let their choir sing and they go out on the afternoon and stretch out those things. Shame on you and call yourself a man of God. Right. You got a wishbone and not a backbone. You have the Holy Ghost that make you act different from that and talk different from that. And make you call black, black and white, white. Yes, sir. But the trouble of it is, oh my, you're so feminist anyhow, little sissy. Why don't you get a backbone, get the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist was the first one to receive the Holy Ghost. And he walked right up to old Herod and said, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. That's right. Brother, that's the way a man feels the Holy Ghost. When he sees something wrong, he calls it wrong. Right. Certainly. Now, Elijah was that type of man. And when Elisha knew that he was to take his place, Elijah gave him a trial. He said, You stay here because I'm going to another city. And he, Elijah knew that he had to watch him. He's inspired. He says, As the Lord liveth. On your soul ever dies. I'll not depart from you. On and on they went. Until finally the last trial and they crossed Jordan. He said, now, what can I do for you? He said that a double portion of your spirit would come upon me. Now that seems strange. The spirit of a man coming upon another. I want a double portion of your spirit. That you've asked a hard thing. But nevertheless, if you see me when I go, you'll have it. So they walked on, and after a while, the chariots of fire and horses of fire came down, and Elijah stepped on and pulled off his robe and threw it back to Elisha. And he put it on and walked down to the river with a double portion of the spirit of Elijah, a beautiful type of the church. Jesus said, These things that I do shall you also, and more than this shall you do. Can you be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Can you drink from the cup that I drink? Said, yes, you will. And a double potion. You see it? 
of the Holy Spirit was to come upon the church. And a double of what Jesus did was to be done by the church. Oh, where is the faith of the church tonight? That's a praying. Crawl back in the shell like a turtle. Hide. Now listen. The only thing that you need to do is to come out. Notice. Then when he walked down, he began to perform miracles. And one done eight, Elijah. And Elisha was sixteen. A double potion of the Spirit was upon him. During that time, old King Ahab had died because the prophet had told him how his end was going to be. And his little painted face wife, she died too. And the dogs eat her just according to the word of the Lord. She hated that preacher worse than anything because he was always telling her how, about her sin. How could he be honest and sincere with God and keep from doing it? God had told him that he was going to feed her to the dogs and she didn't become nothing but dog meat. And so no matter how much her little pretty painted up rosebud lips was when she stirred them up, old Jehu said, throw her out the window! She wasn't vamping him with her vampy eyes. He was a man of God. They throw her out the window. And the dogs eat her up on the street. That's right. And then, when they went to select him another, they got Jerome, his son, and her son. Now, you couldn't expect very much to come out of a marriage like that. So then we find out that when Jerome had ascended to the throne... He was a borderline believer, just a halfway lukewarm believer. So many of them in the world tonight. Jerome would just set his sails any way the wind was blowing. That's the way Jerome would go. That's what's the matter with the church tonight. They set their sails to every form of doctrine, tossed about from pillar to post, not knowing where to stand or what to do. When the little trials come up, the little frictions away, they go this way. They're a Methodist today, a Baptist tomorrow, Pentecostal the next day, a Lutheran the next day, Seventh-day Adventist, Jehovah's Witness, they don't know where to stand. Tossed about borderline. Packing your church letter from one place to another. What good does it do you anyhow? Better put it in heaven. That's where it'll be recognized. Notice, then, a lukewarm preacher or believer. So many tonight are in the same way. They're with the crowd. If they're in the crowd, they'll do as the crowd does. Next day, make their way back to church. Here some time ago, a young man told me, he said, Preacher, I'm not a Christian. He said, I'm ashamed to admit it. I said, now there's hopes for you when you're ashamed to admit it. He said, I'm not a Christian. I'm ashamed to admit it. He said, I took a certain girl the other night, a boy, another boy and I had around, and she was so drunk, she couldn't hardly get in. And we walked her and gave her salt water to vomit it up. She had to be sober enough to attend church the next morning and said, if you'll wait till I come out and get another bottle, we'll be on the road again. And she was a singing in the choir. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. And her sister taught Sunday school and wasn't any better. No wonder we got a bunch of infidels and skeptics and hacks. Believers and make-believers and everything else. The church needs an old-fashioned, Holy Ghost, God-sent revival. And preachers to get in the pulpit and call things out. Right. Let the righteous 
wrath of God rained down. Through old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone preaching. Too bad he ever got away with it and sissified it. When the Holy Spirit left the man, he didn't know no better. What we need is a returning of the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. Now, borderline. Here some time ago, a young lady right in our city. Everybody thought life suffered. This little old girl went up there at the church. She had long hair and slicked her hair right back to her face. is just about as slick as a peeled onion, I guess. But she was really a genuine Christian born again. So this little old girl that went to a modernistic affair down there, she had been on the street. She said, Rose, you know what? Said you'd be a pretty girl if you'd just use a little this and a little that. And if you'd wear this kind of clothes and that kind of clothes. She said, I wear just exactly what I want to wear. Amen. Oh, that was telling her. She said, the trouble of it is, is that narrow-minded preacher, pastor, Billy, you got up there, said that guy ought to be in the insane institution. And the little girl said, well, if you had what we had up there, you wouldn't be looking the way you're looking now. <laughs> she told her about it, yet she was a Sunday school teacher. Now, Mr. Perkins, a friend of mine, dear friend, at Jeffersonville, he had the... Imp- the embalming at the Coots Undertaker Chapel. And then this girl taken down sick. And they didn't know what it was, and it was with an hill. And the family never let it out because it was a disgrace. <laughs> and when the girl had taken down with this disease and she started to die, she called for the pastor and the church to come and sing hymns to her. And when she was singing out there, they were, and death struck her. If ever one time that you'll get right with God or try to, that's when death really sets in on you. And when death struck her, the pastor, she began to kind of, begin to scream. She said, I'm lost. And the pastor said, here, here, here. You, you can't act like that. said, you know you're saved. I'm lost. He called the doctor and put a hypo in her arm. And she told him, she said, you deceiver. She said, I'm lost and I'm going to hell. And you're the cause of it. And she said, send for that Rose Mahoney just as quick as you can and get her here. And she'll pray for me. But they couldn't get the girl. She'd already died. And when Mr. Perkins told me, he said, Billy, when I was pumping the fluid into that girl, we, we noticed that it, I began to smell it, but she's taking too much fluid for her body. And so we had to examine her, and when they did, there was holes eating her everywhere where venereal disease had eaten her up. And there she was, died. Oh, my. And that disgrace is all because that she was told that tap dancing and all the other nonsense that goes with the simple backslidden life was all right by a backslidden preacher. That was the cause of it. And she spit it to his face in the days of her death. And what will she do? Younger one has to stand in the presence of God and give account for everything that's done. And God will require that preacher's hand, that girl's soul. Certainly it is true. Oh, brother, what we need in the church today is an awakening. Arise and rise out of sleep and shake yourself. And realize that the day that we're living in. That's right. Now, oh my God. not long ago, 
When those that have taken place, that still hangs on the record in Jeffersonville, of how that girl went out of life. Now, a borderline, lukewarm. They try to make it smooth. That's the way this Jerome was, just a borderline preacher. And he, every way the people, they wanted to do this, well, all right, they want to do that, all right. But yet he claimed to be a, a Christian or a believer. And first thing you know, there was Moab rebelled against Israel. So then he called for help. Now, the king of Judah was Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was a righteous man. Now, I want you to notice how easy it is sometimes on a little persuasion for a Christian to get in the wrong company. Trying to be pity. Well, I'll tell you, I'll just go down to the pool room. I won't play any pool, but I'll go down there. I'll go to the dance with Susie because she's a good girl, and maybe I can win her to the Lord. You'll never do it doing that. Right. Show your colors. Right. Don't get on the wrong ground. That's what's the matter with the Pentecostal church tonight. They've got on the wrong ground. That's the reason in the church tonight, the people, it used to be wrong for the people to do certain things. Now it's not wrong to do it anyhow. You got on the wrong ground. You got with the wrong crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Show me your company. I'll tell you who you are. Let me walk into your house. Let me see what's laying open on the table. Let me see how that Bible's marked up. Let me see where it's all true stories. Let me listen to what kind of music you're bringing on your radio. Let me see what kind of pictures you got in your house. I'll tell you what you're made out of. Yes, sir. That's what your souls are feeding on. Regardless of what your testimony is, your fruits prove what you are. Right. Oh, it's the truth. Your soul feeds on something. And whatever the characteristic of your soul is, that's what it'll, it'll show for. That's the reason Jesus said, By their fruits you shall know them. You talk a lot of advantage of saying, I spoke in tongues. I got the Holy Ghost. If your life didn't type up with it, you didn't do it. You either got the devil or the flesh. I'm talking to the Pentecostal people. Are you bad? It's already shallow, though, you Presbyterians. Sure. That's right. Now, I don't care what kind of sign. You might have cried tears like a crocodile. And you might have moaned at the bench. That don't mean you're saved. Your life proves what you are. That's right. Amen. That's right. If you ever hear a goat bleat, a goat and a sheep's almost the same thing. Now, I've heard goats crying when they act like sheep. It takes a real shepherd to know the difference. If you hear a goat squealing, it sounds just exactly like a sheep. But a shepherd knows the voice. That's right. Now, but something happened. And we find out that this Jehoshaphat, all oh, under a spell of emotion before praying over Before you cut your hair, sister, did you get out and pray over it? See what the Lord said about it? That's right. Amen. Before you wore those little old symbol of God looking clothes that you were, did you get out and pray for the old Lord and ask the Lord what to do about that? And he didn't condemn you? I'm afraid you didn't. You had your mind already made up what you're going to do before you prayed. That's right. Yeah. Are you willing to let, as I said tonight, God shear all the things off of you? Take all your 
You're right. You say, this is my life. I'm an American. I do what I want to. That's right. But are you willing to forfeit them to the kingdom of God? If you're a lamb, you are. If you're a goat, you won't. So there you are. So now you might bleat and cry and you might act like it. You might eat the same grass that the goat and the sheep does. And way over in the orange, here not long ago, I seen a shepherd. And he was herding sheep, goats, donkeys, and camels, all on the same grass. And I said, what does a shepherd mean? He said, a shepherd is a grazer. said, like you'd call in America, you're a cowboy. And I said, well, then why is it that he's herding the goats and everything? He said, that's right. Oh, I said, I see. He said, but Brother Brandon, when nighttime comes, the, everything is left on the pasture except the sheep and the sheep's tucked to the fold. And he lays down in the door to see that nothing bothers him. I said, I see. You can set the same church, shout for the same gospel, but if your nature isn't different, you'll never be recognized at the setting of the sun. That's right. That's right. That's to be in your heart, not in your head. You say, I'd like to do that, but I better not do it because the church wouldn't like it. I don't make any of what the church says. It's what God says. Amen. What your conscience says. What the Holy Spirit says That's in you. Right. Amen. right. He said, you love the world or things of the world. The love of God's not even in you. That's right. So don't be a borderline. Come out and be one side or the other. Amen. Let your colors shine. That's right. Now, I want you to notice. Jehoshaphat got messing around. And he got with that crowd. And they said... Will you go up with us? Will you come over and join our church? He said, well, I guess I might as well go into the association. I imagine it's all right. I've been a little independent fellow up here. Maybe if I join the association, I, I'd be better off. <laughs> I'll have a fellowship then of Israel down here and all, all these other fellows up in here. Maybe if I could just join the association. Yeah. Sometimes you make a mistake by doing that. Yeah, I ain't got nothing against the association, but just stay the way you are with God. Now, the first thing you know, he goes up there, and after a while, uh, he said, Will you go up with me to battle? I said, Sure. We're all Christians, anyhow. We're all believers, anyhow. But the, he wanted to be a mixer. And that's what the world is looking for today, is a mixer. But God wants separators. You know, here some time ago, I heard of a church up in the northern part of Indiana was making a choice for a pastor. And the whole bunch of them, almost 100% unanimously voted on a guy because of his looks. <coughs> Great, big, fine-looking young man. And I asked an old grandma lady. I said, how did you vote in that case? I see him give the brother a Bible that day when he brought him into the church and give him the privileges of being their pastor. I said, I, oh, she said he was such a handsome-looking fellow. I said, but that's not all of it, sister. The thing of it is, what does he preach? What does he feed with? Yeah. Does he feed with some kind of little recreation programs? Does he talk about roses and flowers or who's going to be the next president? Or some baseball game or some fish fry or party? Or does he preach the word of God and stand on it firmly? Yes, sir. Now, one young lady, I said, well, what about you? And she gave me her excuse for it. But look, that's the way people vote. They vote by their sight. One time there had to be a selection made who would take Saul's place down in Israel. 
And so Saul was the head and shoulders above all his army. So even the prophet got the horn of oil and went up to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons to be king. The Lord told him to. But he said, don't you anoint, but who I call for. And then they run out the great, big, oldest one there. Great, big, seven-footer. But my, won't he look good standing in the pulpit with his clothes just fitting just right and all about it? That's what America wants to do. Pentecost, here it is, get ready. Pentecost is full of Hollywood evangelism. Why, in Louisville, Kentucky, a bunch of people come in there not long ago, and I went over there to a revival center, thought I'd get my soul all fed up. And I got over there, and a woman on the platform with great big earrings hanging down, and with the clothes on, looked like she had been poured into them, and running up and down the aisle, and hallelujah, who'll give the next 50? And I, I never heard such a... Their music sounded like some kind of... Rock and roll, boogie woogie. That's got its place, but not on the platform. Amen. I just almost, I thought the building might fall in, so I went out. To see people how far away. Don't think because you're Pentecostal that God's going to take you in on that name. He won't do it. You've got to have the article, brother. Right. Notice. Here you are. Joining himself up, associating with unbelievers. So they fixed him a compass for seven days and got out into the desert, on out to fight the kings of Moab. And when they got out there, they found out that they were out of water. Their water supply was cut off. And things go wrong when the water's cut off. Do you know that? Now, in the, the public utility, if you don't pay the bill, they'll cut the water off. You drive around the house. And that's what's the matter with God's people tonight. They just didn't pay the price and God's cut the water off. That's right. That's all. You know, out in the desert, go to any desert you want to. That's the reason some of you full gospel church members and so forth don't believe in divine healing. Your water's been cut off. That's right. Out in the desert. You say, full gospel, the dirtiest I ever was treated was by a Pentecostal pastor against divine healing. I asked him if I could rent some seats for him. I had a big meeting in the city, and because a certain church was sponsored, he said, anybody that believes in divine healing, I wouldn't even let set on my seats. That was Pentecostal. Sure. That's right. Within a gun's shot distance, almost from where you're sitting tonight. That's right. Would be a little farther than that, I suppose. We've got about... 200 miles, but look, that would be the big cannon guns are shooting today. But notice, that's what he said, and he wouldn't let me have them. And the people had to stand, but we had the meeting just the same. But now notice, that's the reason, out in the desert, everything you come in contact in the desert has got stickers on it. I don't care if it's a little old leaf or whatever it is, don't fool with it because it's got a sticker on it. You know what does that? Is because it ain't had no water. Where there's no water, it gets stickers. Where there's water, that same plant will soften up and make leaves. And that's what's the matter with the church. Means there's so much fussing. I'm a oneness. I'm assembly. I'm this. I'm this other. I belong to the church of God. We got the group. That's the buzzard rooster over there. This is that. The other. Oh, we don't believe in that. We believe in dancing this way. We believe in this to do this. Liberation of women. Oh, where there is. Oh, my. What's the matter? Your water 
supplies cut off. Right. It's the truth. So they found out they were without water. And when you're without water, you're without life. So then they said, what can we do about it? We'll start a prayer meeting. It's a bad time to start it then. Some real good hymn, 
And the first thing you know, when the songs return to Zion, when the music and the children begin to sing from their heart, something takes place. The Spirit of the Lord fell on the prophet. And of the real old-fashioned godly singing and repenting will bring the Spirit of God on the prophet. Then he'll do the same thing today. And notice, he wanted to see the way out. And the only way out they could do would be have a revival. So he had some repentant sinners to come in and the music played and the prophet saw a vision. And the only way you're ever going to see your way out is an old-fashioned spiritual revival where the hallelujahs of God is ringing from the bottom of their heart and an old-fashioned Holy Ghost-sent revival takes the place. Then you begin to see things. Then God will begin to reveal things. Then you'll wonder why these real Christians are hanging on while they're praying for you. What a revival. And he got in the Spirit. Now the reason that these people have dances is they can't have a dance unless you get the spirit of dancing. You can't have a ball game unless you get in the spirit of a ball game. You've got to get in the spirit of it. And we can never have a revival in Shreveport or anywhere else until the church gets in the spirit of revival. God can come and perform miracles. He can show wonders. He can stretch forth his hand to heal the sick and afflicted. The preacher can preach the gospel as hard as he can, but there will never be a revival until the church gets in the spirit of revival. America's gone asleep. Thousands times thousands of great miracles and signs and wonders and evangelists whose hearts are burning. Man and I has got to make decisions. Some of them are standing on the borderline. Many of them, great men, are turning to God and receiving the Holy Ghost. One of the foremost men of America in the evangelical realm come the other day to Indianapolis where I was to, and has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. Oh, my. Nations are breaking. Israel's awakening the signs that the Bible foretold. We're at the end time. That's right. My God. And there's life. That's right. If you want to walk in it. Yeah. And I noticed as this man telling how happy he was and how he'd been liberated and said, Brother Brown, I come upon the recommendation of other great men. He told me who they was. Marshree Ed and other, other ones. How that they had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and revolutionized their life. And now they're out preaching. Another outstanding man. He has to come to a showdown pretty soon or what he's going to do about it. But he made the remark and said, I don't care what the politics of a church says. I want God. Amen. Pentecostal, you better be putting in your, buckling up your shield and your armor. If you don't watch out, the Baptists and Presbyterians are going to pass you on by. God's able to leave stones to rise, children of Abraham. Yeah. Don't think because you belong to the assemblies of the Church of God or the UBC that you just got her made. You ain't got her made at all. Right? God's the one that's made the way. You're to walk in it. That's right. Right. Watch at the sign. The Pentecostal just 
They first they rallied and said, Oh, isn't that wonderful? My, my. Oh, Mother, we just can't have this sin around here no more. We've got to pray through. Everybody else praying through. And the first thing you know, they watched it for a while and they said, Oh, well, I guess it's all right. And God performed something and said, Yeah, we have a revival. Oh, my. Then here comes the Baptist and the Presbyterian and the Nazarenes and the Pilgrim Holiness. And then come along, seeing the Baptist, all the Holy Ghost are stepping in and grabbing it like that as fast as they can. Sure. God's able to stone to ride children unto Abraham. Yeah. You won't walk in it, God will turn it over and give it to somebody else. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Great things are in the making right now. Yeah. Right. Amen. Now, he said, now I saw vision. I see the way out. I know what to do. And I'll tell you, brother, today the church hasn't got the vision or they have more prayer and to be more spiritual than what they are. Unless there is a vision, unless someone can see the vision, see the coming of the Lord, seeing the things that we're going through and see all these things that God predicted that would be in the last days, and here we are living in Instead of reading the Bible, we're reading love stories. Instead of reading that, we read everything else. We ought to be reading God's Bible on our knees, constantly praying for God to help us. Awakening in our soul, a crying out to the Lord. But we don't. Now, notice. And then when he said, he see how the way out. Now he said, the first thing I want you to do is go out here and make this valley full of ditches. Dig just as hard as you can dig. For thus saith the Lord, you'll not see any wind or there'll be any rain, but this valley will be full of water. More ditches, the more water. (laughs) What did he see? He saw a vision of that spiritual rock that Moses had already smitten and been speaking to. He had just spoke to that rock and it was ready to pour forth the water when ditches was made for it to run in. And I say that same smitten rock tonight is here. And it'll pour forth an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival that'll catastrophe pour apart if you people are going to dig it. Moving all the difficulties out. If you dig up against one thing, the beer cans and the the icebox, throw it out and make way for the Holy Ghost. Every time you hit against a snake, throw the thing out. The deeper you dig, the more water you get. But what you have to have is to make a way for it. No matter how much preaching there is, how many visions there are, the subject was then and the main principle was make ready for the water. Get the ditches dug. That's what we got to do tonight is to make way for the Holy Ghost to pour down. Make it in your house. Make it in your church. Make it in yourself. Take everything out of the way. Get ready. There's coming a gusher. If you make ready for it. If you don't make ready for it, you'll never see it. That's up to the church tonight. Got a nice tent here. Got a nice view of church and seat. Got nice people. Got nice singing. We got a wonderful Savior. But get every, lay aside everything, every sin that's easy to touch it. Brother Brown, I don't do nothing. Maybe that's what's the matter. That's the trouble of it. It's more sin not to do it is to do when you know better. Right? He that knows to do good and do it than not to him, it's sin. You've got to make ready. Doing nothing is the worst thing you can do. Do nothing about it. You Southerners remember your history? Went up here when Grant was sitting just across the river and he had a boy out there on guard duty 
and the rebels was across the river, and this boy walking along there, kind of dazed around with the dreams of his sweetheart, he left his post of duty and went out to pick some violets to send to his sweetheart. He didn't mean to do wrong. He went there then, at that time there was a spy ready from the southern army, and they slipped in. And he looked around and he found out that the southern army was two or three times the size of General Grant. What was happening? The boy come back on the post of duty not knowing what had happened, but the spy had already been there. And what happened? They stormed across the river and drove him plumb back up into the state. And that boy was shot an hour later. Not because he, it didn't have that no objection to him picking about it. They didn't have, it wasn't what he'd done. It was the things he didn't do. He didn't stand to his post of duty. He didn't guard the post like he was supposed to. And he sparked the whole thing. That responsible tonight lays at the life tabernacle and other tabernacles and churches in Shreveport, Louisiana. God is sheriff taken with a storm. It ain't what you're doing, maybe it's what you're failing to do. Let's do something about it. Let's dig with all of our hearts that when that day of judgment comes, we can say, God, I did the very best I could, and you know I did it. Amen. We do all we can do. That's all is expected. Notice, when they begin to dig, they dug down against things, just throw it out and made big ditches. The next morning, the enemy looked down, the sun come up, and looked like blood. They said, well, they fought among one another, killed each other. And away they went in, and they were ambushed. And he said, this is just a light thing before the Lord, sending forth his water. And they went over into the other land, and they stopped up every well. They cut out every good tree. They just had a real old-fashioned revival. And when it gets to the place that the people that love God will throw everything they got right into the revival with prayer and with everything else and seek God's face and pray and, and seek God and call out in the hours of night for mercy and get the neighbors saved and so forth, I'll tell you, we'll stop the mouth of every critic. <laughs> we'll knock down every formal thing and stand it up. <laughs> and they'll have to know that God's been in the tent. That's right. Friends, we'll never do it until that thing takes place. We can't. That's the way of the revival. For thus saith the Lord, said Elijah. Folk in the name of the Lord. And the other night, when I was coming over here a few nights ago, and the Lord met me in the room there, just as vision is same as the sea here at the platform and other places, said, here's what's the matter with the church. They've got so much selfishness everywhere. Didn't you say this? The church of the living God has got so much differences and so much this and that till they breathe the Holy Spirit away from them. And that's just exactly what it is. And brother and sister, until we humble ourselves and become the lamb so the dove can light on us again and bring joy and peace and satisfaction and a burning desire in our hearts to see others saved and come to God, we are simply fighting the winds. That's all. That is true. No matter how many revivals, the Lord Jesus was standing here at the platform last night and proved to every person present that he was absolutely raised from the dead. Without a shadow of doubt. Tonight, two or three hundred less people than was here last night. What's the matter? The end time is here, brother. That's right. It's here. That's right. Beyond any shadow of doubt, that same action. And Germany, Switzerland, Africa, anywhere in the other land, that same thing would have took place 
There have been a hundred thousand people there. There have been at least twenty or thirty thousand come to Christ. And the next night they've been double that. That's right. What is it? The Holy Spirit has flew away from us and she's gone overseas hunting lambs to dwell in. That's really exactly what's taking place. What a time. What a tragedy to see that we, the more the church preaches, the more the saints cry out. It seems like the farther away from God the nation gets. No wonder airplanes are crashing in the air. Boats are crashing on the sea. The Bible said to be perplexed of time, distressed between the nations, great signs, flying saucers through the air, sights of heavens above and on earth below. All these things taking place. But the gospel would be preached. And he said there would come a famine in the land, not for bread and, and water, but for the hearing of the word of God, the true word of God. A famine. Oh, what a day that we're living in. We ought to be ready, making ready. Now, what are you speaking to, Brother Brandon? Are you saying that to me? I am saying that to you. If you're unsaved, if you haven't never received Christ, if you don't know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm speaking to you. If you're a born-again Christian, prayed up, doing everything that you can, just remember you can say hallelujah to it. One night while preaching, I thought I'd condemn sin in every way that I could condemn it in. I combed it over and over until I wondered if a congregation would ever come back. And I thought, my, surely that's covered everything. God, when I meet you there, I can say I told him the truth. And as I went away, there's a lady, a little flippy-like, walked up to me and she said, Well, preacher, you never struck me tonight. That's one thing. Not one thing you said ever bothered me. I'm above everything. Well, I thought that lady was in pretty good shape. She went flipping all the way like that, strutting down along the aisle. I said, well, praise the Lord. I'm sure glad of that. She went on out. Some elderly ladies were standing there. I said, uh, do you know her? I said, sure. Said, she's the biggest gossiper there is in town. You ever said a thing about gossip? <laughs> there you are. See? Oh, my. But remember, brother, no matter what it is, what little sin there is, lay it aside. If I haven't struck it, may the Holy Spirit strike it to your heart tonight. Maybe it's unbelief. Maybe it's doubting. Maybe it's skeptic. If it is, may God lay it to your heart. And we have an old-fashioned revival coming up this coming week. May the Lord grant it as we bow our heads. Go to ask the little sister. She'll come to the piano, the organ, whatever. And give us just a card, if you will, sister dear. While I ask for this altar call. Now... It's early yet tonight, and I want to know as you have your heads bowed while I offer this word of prayer for everyone. Now, Heavenly Father, harshly have I condemned sin. And every way that comes on my mind, I'll let it go through this microphone. Everything that I thought of that you put in my mind, I'll set it right out. It might have offended some, but at the day of the judgment, I can say I'm innocent. I Preach the word just as you gave it. And now there's no doubt there's just many fine, loving people sitting here, prayed up, filled with the Holy Spirit, no condemnation in their heart, living daily before the Lord. If He should call them, they'd be ready to go. But to do my part, to preach the gospel, to call the colors of the gospel, to show what Christ died for, what it is when it comes to us, 
Then, Lord Jesus, if there's somebody sitting here under condemnation, you're the judge, not I. The Word has gone forth. It's the judge. And you are the Word. Now, Father, there's someone here who is living just right and knows that you would send Jesus to the earth tonight, they'd be condemned and lost. You might think it's strange standing out of this tent in hot weather to preach the old-fashioned, rough, sin-killing, stirring, not no gloves on, 